When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Elkanen. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here by myself because Joel and Dennis decide they don't want to start the show on time. But I know you got to give the people what they want. And what they want is a show starting at 8 o'clock on the dot. So here we are. Joel and Dennis will be on with us in, in a minute here whenever they decide to come back to their desks. Um, from What we do is we do like our pre-show huddle. Then they both go and... and do things and then they come back at the last possible second so here we are starting without them um i just want to say before we go uh if you guys missed it last night oh there's dennis and then i'm sure joel will be here in a second dennis good morning i i just want to say uh if you missed it last night we did a a three hour actually almost three and a half hour benzinga pro demo it went to like 11 o'clock last night i'm gonna put the link in the chat nick shaheen was there it was fantastic it was um, jo- Jonathan Mallard, um, Nick Shaheen, Neil Hamilton, and it was amazing. So he, there's the link to that demo in chat just now. Um, three and a half hour demo of Men's Pro. He missed it last night. It was a lot of fun. Okay, what's on the radar today? We are talking, uh, got a couple of earnings, Constellation Brands, Bed and Bath and Beyond, General Mills. Uh, we have a big double downgrade from, from uh, Virgin Galactic. There's Joel. Good morning. <laughs> We have uh, MDB, MongoDB did an offering, but we want to talk about end of the quarter. Yes, we have arrived at the end of the second yes, quarter we have. of the year. And uh, we're going to talk about how that could impact uh, trading today. So that's going to be the theme of the day. End of the quarter, window dressing. Will they, won't they? We'll find out. Uh, two guests today, Anne-Marie Band. We, she is great. We love her. Yep. She was on the show at 8.35. And at 9, we've got Chuck Self, the CIO of iSectors, joining our show for the very last time because he is retiring. He's riding off into the sun. Retiring. We had to oh, get I'd, I'd love to retire. Yeah, we had to get him on one last time before he, he retires, and so he's going to give us his parting thoughts, and then he'll be gone forever. But in the meantime, we must get to the overnight markets. Joel, how are we doing this morning? Now oh, we're doing okay, Spencer. We're down two points in the S&P 500. We have my favorite 
technical S&P setup of all Ooh. time. Ooh. We will go over that at 9 a.m. on Pre-Market Prep Ooh. Plus. A very, It's a great setup, Dennis. You probably know what it is. And you have crude trading up 79 cents at 73.77. Gold can't get back over 17.65, folks. I'm worried. Gold down four bucks at 59.60. Silver going the other way, up seven cents at 25.97. Silver holding there a little bit better. Uh, Bitcoin, it's a yo-yo. Thought it was clearing 35.5. Nope, we're back under 35K. Down $1,555. And before Spencer asked me to share my charts, I'm going to share my charts with you. And uh, we have Ethereum. Uh, that's trading in the red as well. That is down $65 at 21 68 75 Triple D, you must not have done your work last night because we got a little red on the screen. What's going on? Uh, Europe, I would say. Yeah. And the Delta variant. There You're you go. seeing this talked about in the media quite a bit. It still has the reopening trade very spooked, which we've been talking about for the last few days. The sell-off did continue yesterday in the airlines. Boeing, which was trading up in the pre-market quickly gives it back you have separation happening here and the market continues to move into what has continued to work it seems like forever and that is tech tech still catching bids tech actually green here this morning it was green just a few minutes ago it's a slightly red the cues here but this is what goes on the market continues to come into tech we saw it last year tech wins no matter what right that seems no. to be the case. The only way it doesn't win is it's a very crowded trade. So, you know, that is the one thing to obviously consider. It is very crowded in tech, but it's been working and it continues to work. And people see that, hey, if we have a little bit of uncertainty here with the Delta variant, looking, you know, the reopening trade isn't working so well, I'm going to go to what works. And that is tech. And that continues to be tech. It's all kinds of tech. It's growth tech. It's mega tech. It's all whatever tech. It's Kathy tech. Tech is just continuing to work. I don't know when that trade eventually turns. It is crowded. Maybe we get another turn here again. But right now, the market's just like a little uncertain about the whole COVID situation. So they're flying into tech. Yeah, don't, I mean, don't, don't, you know, don't think or don't guess. Just uh, rely on the technicals, right? Uh, for some stocks, it's easier than others. Was really hoping Amazon was going to get to 35.50, right? Uh, Prime Day run up. It didn't. It stalled at 3,500, right? It hasn't given up the boat yet. But in all these 11 months of consolidation that we've had, we've never ripped. I mean, we weren't exactly at the lower of the range, but when we went to 3,200 and we went on that run, but it's just a clear bogey here. You know what you need. Apple's a little bit tougher because I like Apple here, frankly. That's not at an all-time high, so that's just kind of climbing up. It had the technical setup and breakout. Uh, Microsoft, I mean, how could, you know, what's there to worry about in Microsoft, right? You're making a new all-time, you know, every day. Maybe keep an eye on the former all-time highs to stop out or just keep an eye on the all-time closing high. And what I missed, the Googster. Uh, I mean, that just, that just consolidates and moves higher. Uh, yeah. Facebook got a little giddy. On uh, you know, on that news, I, yeah. I just kind of thought was old news. Uh, but Facebook, the way that thing trades, man, it, it you can see when the institutions are lining up and to to call the institutions lining up to sell this with two highs in the same area, I think would be a little bit premature. 
I think so too. I mean, it was a big move. It's going to digest that move. We'll see where it goes from there, but it's hard to get bearish tech here. Um, the question is, Joel, uh, take it back to the reopening trade. Sure. Is, are we starting to get oversold on some of these stocks? Oh, I mean, it, it's been an ugly month for all the reopening. Like, look at I have Las Vegas Sands. It's one of the one of the stocks that I have. It's a pure reopening stock. You know, I have the barbell approach. I got I'm I'm heavily tech. I've always been heavily tech, but I still have you know some other stocks that I want in my portfolio. Las Vegas Sands was like, oh, that's a nice reopening play. I picked it up around fifty-five or fifty-six dollars. It ran up to over the sixties, so I was up nicely. Now I'm down in it, and I'm down pretty good in it. Um, the trend has been awful, but this is your classic reopening stock. And if you look, they all look the same. I mean, Carnival Cruise Lines. If we just want to go to that one, thirty-one dollars about three weeks ago. It's now twenty-five. Norwegian Cruise Lines, thirty-four dollars. Now it's twenty-eight. Um, Boeing, we know, has come off significantly off the highs. Are we getting to a point where maybe it's time to add to some of these stocks? I'm just, you know, I haven't done that yet. I haven't been adding to the reopening trade. But are we getting to that point where you want to start looking at that? Uh, Adding to losers? Absolutely not. That's Uh, a good point, too. uh, Dennis, uh, you know, I'll say I'm a a little disappointed in you in this Las Vegas Sands. And for two reasons. Sure. What's the trend in this since 2014? Probably down. Yeah, the Not really up no there. Tra- I would argue almost no trend though. Okay, well, we got ninety to thirty to eighty to thirty to fifty. It's kind of the middle of nowhere. Okay, so what do you always do? You know, like, you know what sucked me into Las Vegas Sands is the whole media casino. Las Vegas has never been busier. <laughs> How often do we hear that a month ago? Spencer, <laughs> you can vouch for me on this one. Las Vegas has never been busier. I, I don't know if I've heard never been busier. I, maybe since the, it, the maybe, hotels are packed, maybe everybody's going of, flocking to Vegas since the start of COVID. Maybe yeah, but not. Yeah. I don't know if I can say never, never in history. Um, yeah. But isn't Las Vegas saying it's not in Las Vegas anymore? I don't know. It's got the name. No, I know. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, they're out. I'm not. I'm not. They're completely out. I'm not making that up. They're out. They You're right, Spencer. More research, more due diligence here. Yeah. Another thing that yeah, the Adelson got them out of there. Well, anyway, I was just going, to, you know, usually when you're swing trades and you're uh, the other trades, it's not you a do, swing trade, though. It's I a long term investment trade. In yeah, because okay. I didn't, didn't have any exposure. And, and the one thing is, what you'll learn as a portfolio manager, and I don't know if I'm a portfolio manager or not, <laughs> but I'm managing a fairly large portfolio and that's my own wealth, is. You want, you know, your asset allocation is going to dictate your performance a lot more than any one stock. And I just looking and I was like, I'm like probably 50 or 60% tech, not joking in my long-term portfolio. It is heavy tech. Why? Because the tech stocks in my long-term portfolio have just grown to be monsters. So you look at that and you think, well, how can I, you know, if I, do I want to put more money into tech? Trading-wise, my trading account sometimes will be loaded right up with tech. I would never have Las Vegas Sands right now on as a swing trade. It wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be in my swing trading account because I stop out on those. But when I put something in that retirement account, it's like I want a little bit of exposure there. You know, I want a little bit of this reopening going on that I didn't have a lot of it. So, you know, again, it's about diversification. I'm not justifying holding losers. Maybe Mm -hmm. you should cut all your losers immediately. Maybe you should do that in a long-term account as well. But I just know, like I can remember my Merck, buying Merck back when it was $35. That went gotcha. to $25 on me, Joel. $25 my Merck went to. Where did it end up going? Well, 77 here now. 
So I've still got a lot of that Merc. So you got to kind of know what you're coming into. I mean, if you're coming into this as a swing trade and you're letting it become a long-term investment, I don't think that's, you know, the style. Okay. But if you've got this designated going in and you want to add some balance to a tech-heavy portfolio, I mean, it's a different story. Should you cut all the losers in your long-term portfolio? Maybe you should. But again, like I said, if you believe in the company, long-term fundamentals, sometimes you know things get oversold. I'm not on margin in my long-term account. I'm not going to get blown out of my long-term account because I'm not on margin. So, I mean, it, it's a different story. So I'm not justifying it. Um, it was a bad pick. For sure. It was a good pick probably at the time. I just didn't get out in time. What so. about um, the, uh, uh, well, long term, you're supposed to, you're staying in it for long term. But uh, how's their online operations? Because if anything, I just see, you know, like, the, you know, that like to get to me, Gam, like, like, why do you need to go to Vegas? Like, why do you need to go to a casino? For the bells and the whistles. For the bells and the whistles and the free I, drinks I that are watered Vegas down? I going away. I don't oh. think we're just going to this environment where people are going to gamble from home and get the same excitement as going to a casino. No. I think people like to go out for dinner. I think people like yeah. to go out. I, I don't see the casinos going away. Maybe it's the wrong stock. You know, maybe I, I, yep. I want some exposure there. So I think the argument would be maybe I should trade it in for a win or maybe I should trade it in for an MGM. You know, maybe I should trade the stock in for different exposure in the reopening. And I could hear, hear those arguments. But just to go and say Vegas is going, you know, people aren't going to go to casinos anymore. I don't think is. Uh, I, don't I don't think, think that's logical. the case either. I just think there's more. Comp- I mean, if for me, how do you roll the dice, you know, online? Do they have something like that? Because, I mean, that to me, the fun of a crap game, everyone, you know, being around all the chips on the table, everyone cheering and screaming. I don't not sure when I'm going to do that again, but uh, I don't know. There's Most just a people lot of have been stuff. dying to do that, though. Yeah. Yeah. I I. I, I I just know that's that gambler mentality. Some people love away. Vegas. Some people love Vegas. I don't think that goes away, but again, maybe this isn't a Vegas play anymore. So, you know, Las Vegas yeah. fans, not a Vegas play. Something to think about as well. So, lost wages. Pick, I'm that's down it. about 8%. And if all my bad long term investments could only go down 8%, I'd be doing pretty damn good. I'll what tell do you, you do that for much. yield, Dennis? What are you doing for yield right now? I've always, okay, that's a great question. I guess, you know, because I, I really slower, would like to know. I'm taking notes here. Um, I've always had a lot of preferred stocks in my long-term portfolio. Uh Again, I'm Canadian. I know they're boring as hell and people don't like to hear about, you know, yield. I was looking at one yesterday though. I don't have it in the long-term portfolio, but what about like an Energizer convertible preferred stock? I mean, you know, people don't talk and like talking about this stuff, but 8.1% dividend (laughs) on an Energizer preferred. I mean, it's 8%. I always think if you're going to go after yield, why not go to the preferreds because they hold up better if we ever get into crisis mode. And, you know, as opposed to going to a bank for three, four percent, there's a lot, a hell of a lot of preferred stocks out there that give you a six, seven percent plus DDT. I've talked about that one for years. I don't know when they're going to call this in because it's a seven and a half percent coupon. Obviously, the company can't be doing as well as everybody thinks it's doing. But here's the, the, the here's the common at all time highs. The preferred is yielding, and this is a capital trust security, so it's almost like a bond, 7.14% at 26 and a quarter. I've ha- I had this in my portfolio for the better part of a decade. I finally sold it out. I actually sold it out a couple – I don't know if it was right before COVID, but I sold it out a while ago, and, and, and it is callable. So what that means is they can call it in at $25 anytime they want, but it's been callable 
for like 12 years. I know. You've talked it. about that. What's just the Energizer symbol? Get 7% what's, on your money. Just continue. What's the Energizer symbol? E-N-R-dot-P-R-A. Oh, my goodness. E-N-R-dot-P-R-A. Or you can go E-N-R-A. Symbology, when you get to the preferreds, depends on your platform. What about, I'm just looking at the stock. Oh, I'm buying it today. I'm buying that preferred today, full disclosure. You're going to buy that ENR.PRA? Yeah. Yeah. Because some of the stuff, I'm looking at some structure. And it's notes. a convertible option to it. I haven't done all my research on that one yet. I just started looking at it. So you got to look where the convertible option is because it's convertible. Uh, but if that yields, we're all 8.13%. That looks pretty good. Because uh, uh, Jerry has told me that uh, rates aren't going up. So I don't have to worry about that. Right. Because rates aren't going anywhere for a couple years. So if I, you know, there's some of these uh, one and two year notes that I were looking at, um, you know, they're like five and a half, six percent, six and a half. I mean, I know that's pittance to what you can make in meme stocks. But at this point, where the market's at, I'm all over that. I am all over stuff like that for a while. I don't need any more spies or pulling my hair out over Peloton, even though that was Lisa's call or exact sciences. I haven't even looked at that thing in a while. Oh, I want to sell that again too. Um, L brands. I mean, when do people going to stop needing new underwear and bras? You never know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. I think I know there's a is- lot of opportunity in preferred stocks. And I think if it depends on your age group, Joel and I aren't, you know, and well, Joel old. especially is a little bit older. I'm, you know, getting up there in the upper 40s approaching. So you start thinking about not, you know, but I think I'm more on my wealth. You know, I like the wealth. I like protecting my wealth for for two reasons. One, I went through the tech bubble burst. And two, I went through the financial crisis. So I know if you start in the last 10 years, you think, oh, why the heck do I need to worry about it? But every 10 to 12 years, we seem to get some type of crisis. We had the COVID crisis just didn't last a long time where your portfolio temporarily gets destroyed. Those preferred stocks usually hold up better. They didn't during the COVID crisis because everybody was pricing in the end of the world. But if you were going out there and buying preferred stocks in that COVID crisis, you were doing it absolutely correct. Yeah, Yeah, you were. Um, There's lots of preferred stocks to the Canadian investors. I like the Al brand, or not the Al, the Loblaws, which is the same symbol, LB in Canada. Um, that's a grocery store. Um, I was picking it up when I had a five and a half percent dividend. I think it's down like 4.7 now. So yeah, it's not yeah. as good, but I mean, it's your biggest grocery store in Canada, you know, as it it's owns everything. So is it going out of business anytime soon? I don't think so. So I, I think it's better alternative to, you know, if you've got a lot of cash and you don't want to have a lot of cash, but you don't want to take a lot of risk. I do look to preferred stocks. Um, I think, you know, they're underused by this environment because this environment is, uh, uh, spoiled to a certain extent because the market's been giving such so much returns that you know why in the hell am I going to go after a seven or eight percent return when I'm getting seven or eight percent a week in my meme stock? So I was looking, I was looking uh, seriously on that uh, that thing that Raz mentioned, uh, like the USD, and uh, and you know I I talked about Bitcoin, you know, with uh, with the chief investment officer when it was like fifty fifty five k, and she was like, I don't understand it, but you know, if you put a portion of a portfolio in there, you know, and then look, I don't want to hear about it. And let's look at it in 10 years. And, and then I'm like, ah, crap, you know, I don't know. And then I said, no, I go, I, 
I don't know. I, I just don't trust Bitcoin. So then it falls 30, you know, to 30K. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, maybe we should take a look at Bit. Now's the time to look at Bitcoin. Maybe now's the time to look at the USD. She goes, no, I don't think so. I don't understand it. <laughs> so I don't know. That USD has a nice yield. It's just the, you know, the, the funds that I would put in there. I just got to have that money insured. You well, know, you can, just, that's it. You're, you're, you know, you're I, banking I just can't, on that company. You're lending that company money. Yeah, it's kind of like a preferred stock. Like you think, oh, I'm just going to a cash account. I can pull it out at any time. We can do that in a preferred stock too. You're basically lending the company money. Yeah. So there's lots of six, seven percent places if you're willing to lend, you know, the company's company money, money here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's lots of places. I mean, I look at Dillard's and I still look at the DDT and you think DDS, $177 stock. It doesn't look like it's going out of business anytime soon. At least the stock price is way wrong if that's the case. So it looks like my 25. Now, again, this could get called on you at 25. So you would have a dollar 25 risk if it gets called on you. But that hasn't happened for the last 12 I years. So I don't know if it's going to happen anytime. We started talking about this on the show when we started doing it seven years ago. I, know. And I was like, I got this one of the long trip portfolio. <laughs> I've had it in there forever. They just keep paying me 7%. I don't know when they're going to call it, but eventually they're going to. Apparently, they're not going to call it. If I keep talking about it, maybe the company's going to listen and call it. But I don't know why they're paying 7 or You'd it. think they could borrow it cheaper elsewhere, but. Okay. All half, right. Uh, 82, 42.82, uh, all-time closing highs. Exactly where we're uh, we're trading this morning. Spencer's probably sleeping with all this uh, long-term well, young guys stuff. don't want to hear. Yeah, yeah they don't want to hear about preferred stocks. No. Yeah. I, the, they don't want to hear about six, seven percent. No, they say, "What are you talking? This That's is boring." Ridiculous. Tell me what I make six or seven percent on today. I want to make six or seven percent today. Off the open. Off the open. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk Give me about a trade. Wait, let's so we have the ADP numbers higher than expected. Whatever. Uh, let's talk about the end of the quarter. Okay, uh, today is the last trading day, the last day actually of of uh, the first half of the year. Uh, we talk about how that could. Uh, there could potentially be some window dressing and all that. Maybe you can guys both explain what exactly that means and how the end of the quarter uh, can sort of mess with things, create volatility, if you will. Um, you want to go first? Yeah. So, so basically, you know, in, in the definition of window dressing is that portfolio managers want to have the good companies in their portfolio and they don't want to have the bad companies in their portfolio, the companies that have performed well in the last quarter. So what you typically see, you know, textbook is that the companies that have done well in the quarter typically get bought today and the companies that are doing poor in the quarter typically get sold today. And sometimes these can be turning points when you get when you roll over the calendar to, to July 1st, and obviously, uh, when we would do that tomorrow. So, you know, does that really happen in practice? I, I don't know if every portfolio manager is saying, oh, I've got to own Microsoft right now because Microsoft, I want to show all my clients. This is when you had quarterly reports were really big, too. I mean, a lot of times now you can get you know, your holdings almost daily they're showing them. I mean, you think about an arc, they show it daily. So um, I, I don't know how much this still happens, but historically, you know, monthly, quarterly reports were going out from to all the investors in the quarter. And they would say, what kind of stocks do they own? Oh yeah, they own Microsoft, that's good. So they would turn around and buy. If they didn't own Microsoft, they'd buy it today because they want to own it because it's making new all-time highs. That's kind of what it is. So the strong gets stronger, the weak get weaker typically on this day. Whether that really holds in practice anymore, I'm not sure of. 
Yeah, and uh, they want to get paid, too, you know, end of the quarter. They also want to talk to their clients last week and say, hell, yeah, we picked up some of those growth tech stocks on the return. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of things. So I don't know how much, you know, that actually goes on now. You know, a lot of people are managing. Yeah, that's the theory behind it. Probably, oh, like gold? Oh no, man! We we sold our gold last month. We're not in gold anymore. You know, yeah, well, so they sell gold today, so you don't have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I don't know what pronounced effects. I mean, what you have here, you know, a little different situation. You have the end of the quarter, and then Friday you have the jobs number, and then Monday off. So. Uh, there's other dynamics at work, but uh, that's pretty much end of the quarter window dressing. The strong gets stronger and the weak get weaker. Okay. That didn't cover very long. That didn't take very long. Let's go on to individual stocks. Stocks? I want to start, start with space. I got to give a shout out to Travis. I'm so, I'm so, oh, go ahead. I'm going to give ahead. a shout out to one of my Twitter followers, Travis. He thanked us for the trade. I don't remember us being really bullish that long, but maybe he was thanking us for the exit no, here because we were talking sh- about the old highs. I think we I sold this way too soon. I participated in this, but not nearly enough. So uh, ugly day for it yesterday. Um, significant sell-off. Now you get Bank of America saying, okay, we're out. They go oh. from buy to sell today. Why wouldn't you tell us this yesterday, Bank America? But anyways, they go from buy to sell today. Price target $41. The sell-off in space continues. The gap would actually take you down to about that $41 area here, Joel. So does this thing fill the gap today? It's three more bucks. I don't know if it does that, but this thing is in a free fall here right now. I do think you'll find support in that 40 to 41 area. So if you're looking for a bounce level, I think it could happen in that 40 to 41 area. Uh. And shout out to Travis who is, made a great trade on that. Okay, well this this is this is why Travis. I I, I don't know if uh, if you got him in and I got him out. Uh, <laughs> I because, he definitely wasn't following me on the out because I long gone on that. Okay, <laughs> this is why you need to follow me on Twitter and join Pre Market Prep YouTube. Okay, June twenty eighth, I tweeted: If you have not taken profits in space yet, you may. Have a reason to. Potential double top. Good. Right? June 28th. Look at the chart. Yes. Look at this. Right here. Potential. You know, I hedged there. You know, you got to hedge. But you had the big run up. You had a double top. Don't tell me it's it's not an exact double top. Dennis, you like the red bar. Right, the red bar after it, it was just stupid. And uh, you know, I, I, I was, I was looking at the fifties when the thing was at fifty-five, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna pin fifty during the week. And then I looked at the forty-eights or forties. I never pulled the trigger on it, but I put that out. So there you go. I'm glad you had a good trade. I, ho- I think Dennis probably got if that. That could be a new trading system. Dennis gets people in, and then I get them out. Because be <laughs> I always sell way too soon, and I and I and I buy, I'm too scared to buy, and then I wait to short, and then I get run over. So let's uh, just that is the system. That could be a new trading system. I'll tell you, you, Joel's double top theory, double bottom theory, and some technicians might look at what are you talking about because they look at a different time frame. We look when we say double top, we look for two consecutive highs day on the daily two consecutive lows on the daily joel's taught me this it does work well because when you see a stock just ripping higher like space did on the 25th and all of a sudden on the 28th it stalls out right around the previous day's high within 20 cents of it and you're talking a stock that moved 10 
12 bucks a day before. So 10, 20 cents is a double top. You know, you want to pick, you know, it's very close. It stalls out right at the previous day's high. That can be a sign to say, okay, let's ring the register and get out of some of this. And if you were doing that yesterday around noon, because you can see it had the run up to try yesterday's high, or actually, I guess it was, it was no. not the open. It was closer to the open than it was doing that. I guess that was the day before. That was two days ago. Yeah, we're going back two days ago. So yeah, it did. Yep. Right around noon, two days ago. Man, that was the perfect out. And now you're looking at it down 13 points from that point in time. It, it, so lots of lessons here. One, look out for those daily highs if they can't take them out. Two, I don't like chasing stocks when they're gapping up 13 points. Because you know what? When the turns... It turns fast. That felt like upside capitulation. That was upside capitulation. That was the point on the 25th where everybody said, I have to get in space. It's going to 100. Not straight there, though. Nothing, even though it's in rocket ship mode, rocket ships don't go straight to 100. Here's the wicked shakeout. Here's the wicked pullback. The person that bought a 57 is like, gulp. So yeah. 44, I do think you'll bounce at 40 to 41 because that's where he broke out from before. But again, that system works well, Joel, that you've taught us over the years, that double top, double bottom system. Yeah, and, and another thing too, just I know people don't want want uh, lessons, but it's also like market structure and market dynamics. People are like, Dennis, you remember the day when it was like 49.50 in the pre-market and you're like, I'd be ringing the register. You know, you had no idea that it was going to 50. Oh yeah, it kept going. Right, yeah. right, right. But your people sell into strength. How much I easier do. is it to sell on this day and put a little piece out at 51? Oh, I got lifted. Oh, you put a little piece, bigger piece out at 52. Oh, I got lifted. You put a bigger piece out at 54. Oh, wow. I got lifted there too. 55, you put out, you know, the whole enchilada and you can bring your average price right up, right? The next day, you still had some chance to sell, you know, on some strength when it rallied. But now this day you're, you're selling into, you're having to hit bids and you're hoping for pops. This yeah. day you're hitting bids, looking for pops. Today with the lower open, now you're saying, oh man, I hope it sees the end of, uh, yes, you know, the lower end of yesterday's range, which it very well could. And I just want to give another example. What about Amazon, the prime buyers? Okay. Run it into prime day. Yeah. They were selling on this day and they yeah. were selling on this Thursday and they were selling on this Friday. And then this was the Monday, Tuesday and prime day. They still got, you know, the CNBC was, you know, I guess the results weren't as good as they expected. You were still able to sell on the strength, but there's a point where the market turns and there's not the preponderance of buyers and instead of selling in the straight, you got to sell in the weakness. And then you have the shorts getting in there, you know, sniffing out the big orders, et cetera, et cetera. But that's just a little bit of, you know, larger positions. For, I don't know if we have any institutional traders listening or, you know, traders that trade, you know, large positions and multiple stocks. I mean, it works once. It works a thousand times. Just stocks that go into rocket ship mode. I ring the register when they, it's called, I call it upside capitulation. When you see a stock going up, 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 up. And all of a sudden you get a day where it just blast off mode. That's usually going to be the turning point day at some point in time. Was it at 49? No. And I was way early, obviously, but you know, 
just by three hours, but then, you know, 57 ends up being the top. But you got that double top that Joel talked about there. So I didn't know. This is uh, exit strategies is really what we're talking yeah, about here. And I need to listen, re-listen to this show because, like I said, I always exit too soon. Were there any daily highs in there? I didn't do it off that. I um, Sometimes if you go back to, you like to see if there was any. Yeah. You know what? You're close enough where there was those three tops. You know, call it the three yeah. tops. You go at the weekly chart. You had the 59, 43, the one week, 62, 80, 60. You knew when you got back up to 60. That old, there's going to yeah, be major resistance overhead. So if you're buying a 57, you know, you're looking at, oh, maybe there's another three points here before it runs in a major resistance, but there's a hell of a lot more downside. Always analyze from risk return. You know, and you're getting, if you're long the thing, you're going for the last three points. It's like Nick Shaheen says, you know, when he's writing options, you know, he doesn't sit there and just let them expire worthless. He closes them out when they get down to 10, 15 cents. Puts on for a buck. He doesn't wait for the last 10% of the trade, you know, to make the absolute most because he sees sometimes those options go back from 10 cents, they go back to a dollar and ends up losing on them. So, I mean, that's the consideration is you're trying to get that last buck or two out of the trade after just run 20 bucks. Sometimes it's just better to just take your bird in the hand as opposed to going for the all of them in the bush. That was a great discussion. And, and also, can I just note one thing uh, in, in the B of A note? Uh, one of the reasons for the downgrade, which seems incredibly obvious to, to point out, but I haven't heard it actually mentioned. Um, for th- this is a direct quote. Uh, Furthermore, the development of space technology carries significant risk, and the market tends to respond more volatilely <laughs> to development-related news. Yeah. God forbid something terrible happens. Hmm. What do you think is going to happen to the stock? They they must have listened to the show yet the afternoon show yesterday. Oh, they think they listen. Bank America likes. Yeah, they listen to Ben. Yeah, who's Bank America in here? Is that Nature Bound or Easy Mike? Who who are they? The the chat. Who's hiding under? The (laughs) analyst's name is Ronald Epstein. In case you're wondering. Uh, Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Welcome to the show. He goes under Ronnie in the chat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie the limo driver. All right, eight thirty-two here. Is that from a movie? Is that from a movie? No, that's from Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Okay, yeah. close. I knew it was from something. Yeah, let's go to Bed Bath and Beyond numbers. Sure, okay. we can go to Triple BY, and then we'll get Anne Marie on in a second here. But uh, Bed Bath Beyond earnings this morning, EPS. Uh, they missed their estimate by a smidge, a five cent uh, EPS uh, quarter versus an eight cent estimate. Sales of one point nine five versus one point eight seven billion dollars. So the quarter was okay, but they did raise their guidance. Uh, the consumer is strong. Did you know that uh, Q2 EPS guidance raised uh, above, or actually in line with the estimate? Uh, fiscal year sales guidance was raised as well. Uh, a so lot of slight, it, so slight. Yeah, yeah, slight guidance raise, but a raise is a raise is a raise. How's the uh, how's the stock doing this morning? I didn't actually look at the chart. It was up, and it has given it all back here. Uh, I don't know what to say about this stock. It was a meme stock. We know it had the explosion in price, and then it even had another explosion a few days later. Um, I have no position in this. I this is a tough one here. I Joel, mean, no, this is an easy one for you. Okay, Joel, today. take it. Go away. to the chart. Go to the chart, Spencer. Give it to me. You got I, the chart up. I, I I'm it's on the screen. Yeah. Okay. Or my you, my hands are over on the left, right? So you can't see. You can't see the this chart on the left, right? What do you, What do you mean? What are you talking about? There's four charts. Joel. <laughs> There's four charts. My hands over one of them. Joel, Joel. Your hand covering your screen does not mean that we can't see what's on your screen. Oh, shoot. Why not? <laughs> Joel, take your pills. Okay. Now. Joel, go take your pills. That was a bad one. Okay. Out of pop here. Out of pop. 
out of pop, where would you sell? Um, where would that you sell worked better though? You got rid of the one. Yeah, there you go. I should have minimized. <laughs> we had to make funny on that. Show. I, I, it's the stupidest one. thing I've ever done. I go take your pills. I did, and I swam two thousand meters. Now I can't That's find be on my, the highlight reel. Wait, why can't now I can't find my other chart? Where did <laughs> it go? Just turned Son into of a. Oh, this Wait just a turned second. into a Wait, I gotta fight. I blank show. <laughs> wait, 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 Bring the guest on. Get the guest. Wait a second. Am I gonna have to reboot? I minimized it. Go. Save the show. No. Okay, there we go. Now I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> on a pop. I like. I don't know what he's tired. I thought he had like a a virtual hand. Oh no! I got rid computer. of that one too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, no. Right. I'm taking the charts. Okay. Off. Joel, fix All the right. charts. Joel, take him. I don't moment. know where they take went. A, take a breath. We got Anne. I don't know where they went. Anne Marie's gonna come and save us. Wait, she's uh, in the background. Pop. She out says I do that sometimes, Joel. Out of pop. <laughs> she's trying yeah. to help you. She's out so of... nice. Anne Marie. Shut up, say Dennis. She's... Shut up. Shut up, Dennis. Where would you sell? Where would you sell triple B Y out of pop? Okay. Uh, I can't even think right. now. Wait, stop. Stop. Where would I sell? Okay, no, in all 32, honesty, 32, wait, 32. Joel wants to okay. Okay. Yeah, 32 is the pre-market high. You just got a $5 tip No, for that. not on the pre-market high. I tried to put my hand over the pre-market high. <laughs> this is a daily chart. This 32. Is the, right. I saw the 32. Oh, okay. All right. And now, look at this. We're going to do this. Amory, we're going to come to you in a second. Uh, 15 minute, right? Yeah. Then you go to 24-hour market. <laughs> what do you got? Laughing. What do you got? What do you if you're uh, selling it? My screen. There you go. There it is. There it is. That it's took an easy about, game if you're using those daily highs and daily lows. It it, it probably took seven Sometimes minutes easy. longer than it should have. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that was excellent. Anne Marie in the Anne-Marie, background here. Especially you didn't have to so. say that. You could have slacked me. You didn't have to tell you, me. You know what? And Anne Marie is so nice, I guarantee she won't make fun of you for it. I just made fun of you for like last three minutes telling you to take your pills. So should I should <laughs> I restart so my nice. trade station or should I try and redo these charts? Redo the charts in the background. Now, We're bringing on Anne Marie. I'm right, gonna so, hit no the voice of reason. Exit. All right. Save all, no to all. This is a disaster. Okay, go ahead. Just restart your morning. Anne Marie, how are you doing? Restart your morning. I'm awesome. (laughs) Great. Oh, fantastic. That was some good stuff right there. That was some good stuff. So, and it's free. It's free. Yeah. Listen, we in the best of Benzinga. That one's going in there. It's got to have a year-end clip. You know, you guys do that sort of stuff the best yeah. of. That's that's definitely in there. So it's great to be here to see your faces and how the days are going. They're really uh, very – who watches the trend here? Do you guys watch the trend? Uh my buddy Rob does it. Uh, it's stock odds, and he watches it. He likes to really watch it early in the session. Is this something that you like to watch all day? Or I do watch it all day, and I watch okay. it to see it trending. And so, quick recap: I know I heard Joel say that people don't really like learning stuff, study stuff here in the in the room. But I'll be really quick. The trend measures how many people are buying when they're buying. And how many people are selling when they're selling, and they take the ratio of it. 
So if you see a trend that's bigger than one, it means that more people are selling the rips. And if you see a trend lower than one, it means more people are buying the dips. So what we've seen over the last several days is this general rise in the trend. And so if you watch some of the other folks on Twitter, they'll say, hey, listen, it's rare that we see a very upside new high and only, you know, 20% of the stocks are moving at their new highs, or maybe it's even 10%, or maybe it's even, you know, 23 stocks. So this elevated trend has me on a little bit of an alert. Okay. Now, everyone realizes that the Fed's got our back. So these, all the deep dips are going to get bought across these wonderful hedging instruments in the futures. As far as real stocks go, it's become a real stock pickers market one more time because the markets are bifurcated, right? We'll look at the NAS and we'll see we've got some really good movers and then not so good. If we have a heat map that we can pop up, you'll see that every day there's not broad participation. And so this is a concern to me, the lack of the broad participation. So my favorite thing to do when I see the lack of the broad participation is I start looking at how the traders begin to hedge using the S&P futures, which is, you know, what I spend a lot of time focusing on. And what I want to share is we've got a little bit of a caution sign right now. It's the end of the month, end of the quarter. We've got load rebalancing coming to finish. Today could be very, very choppy. And then as a lot of these options roll off and get moved into the forward month, we could see a little bit of jockeying in terms of price. So your weakest stocks that you're thinking, oh, you know, if this breaks out, this is going to look really good. You better see how far you are away from that 50 moving daily average, that 50 moving weekly average, things that you're investing in. Watch for that to start losing your support zones, say it around under the 10 or something like that on the daily or the weekly. These are all caution zones for you to go, you know, I think I need to take some profit because a lot of us really have a ton of faith in the fact that the dips will get bought. But if you check the streams, you'll notice people are buying some dips and then going, why isn't this moving? Why can't I get a new high and and all of that sort of stuff? So that's the big thing that I've been noticing across the board. If we look at the Dow, if we look at the NAS, if we look at the Russell, if we look at the S&P, we see that we are in a market that is very scattered. They're only, we see things near highs, but there's a whole lot of red floating around there on the heat map. And so that's cautionary zone to say, hey, listen, you know, put on some calendar spreads, thinking maybe you get a little fade and then it bounces towards the end of the summer. My suspicion is that this variant is going to take hold just a little bit more. We're seeing Australia, we're seeing a lot of different uh, smaller countries saying, hey, we're still going to put you guys on quarantine. So a little bit of a dip 
is, and it would be good for the market really in terms of, hey, are we holding what we need to hold? So hate to be the harbinger of doom there, but it's just <laughs> for a little bit and we'll be able to buy these pullbacks. Yeah, I mean, we look at here and you think, you know, the S&Ps are making, basically making new all-time highs, exactly. the Qs, and everything looks, looks you know, dandy where, you know, but when you look really under, there's a lot exactly. of stocks that are really getting hit here. Exactly. So, you know, so I think you, I, I agree, you know, this has been a stock picker's market and it's been a sector picker picker's yes. market, I guess. Um, and I, I don't know, like right now, like we've been saying, we were saying earlier on the show, it seems like when everybody's in doubt, they go into tech. But then I look and the tech trade's very crowded. So what happens if all of a sudden they decide, well, maybe I want to sit in cash? I mean, there's a lot of money hiding in tech, including myself. So right. where do you where do you go right now? If you're anticipating, um, you know, maybe a little more or a correction or some downside mm -hmm. here, where do you go for safety here, Anthony? Okay, so for me, and again, this is probably a, maybe a little bit more complicated than we want to get, but you stay with the strength until the strength starts fading. So let's take a look at Microsoft. Run it off the rails, right? Yep, yep. Don't go to the ones that are popping up red or starting to flatten or getting that great. Joel had such a great example of what he was going to show about these topping formations that say time to sell. And then, of course, we moved into a comic episode. But truthfully, <laughs> that really is the, that's really one of those big things that we take a look at. So if we pop at if we take a look at Microsoft and we just put it on say a daily chart, right? Yeah. And we say, hey, let's look at the 10 simple moving average. Let's do something like that. If it starts losing that support edge, you know, if you own the stock, you want to hedge it. So for me, I'm putting on a calendar spread. I'm saying, hey, listen, I want to uh, sell the 220s or sell the 240s, and then I'm going to go two months out, and I'm going to buy the 240s, the calls. It'll give me a credit, and it'll give me protection on the fade, and when it bounces, I'll have an option that is, you know, in the money. But I do think that we come into the 260, 240 edge potentially in some kind of deep shake that that moves us maybe we'll get lucky and we'll only stop at 250 which is a nice round event but that's really that's really what you got to do you got to look at those old support levels keep them right on your screen and stick with the winners buy the small pullbacks until they stop giving you what you're looking for i mean it's you got to turn it into the forest gum trade right now if you overthink it you're going, to be, you're going to spend too much money on protection. You're going to buy puts that expire worthless, oh, which happens, frustrating. Frustrating. right? So you don't, you don't want to overthink it like that. You want to go, hey, maybe if I have the stock, I sell a call into it, and then I buy the call in the forward. So if somebody covers, if somebody goes, hey, you know what, that, that calls in the money, you got to give me your stock and you go, I don't want to do that. Then you just use the next forward month and, you know, it's cost you maybe two bucks, right? Three bucks, four bucks. Amory, when you're looking at something like a, a Microsoft, um, you know, that the, I mean, if you get the double top or the triple top, that, that, that's kind of rare. I mean, those formations do come up. They usually don't 
they don't, you know, hand it, you know, hand you the yeah. top like that, right? Yeah. But what I I kind of like to do if I'm looking for something to top it out is I I wait for I I look at the closing price mm-hmm. because you know it's so hard to get the exact high tick unless you know yeah. it's you know selling the high and buying the bottom, yeah. but you know like all the institutions that own Microsoft, the best mark, you know, at the end of the quarter. The best mark they've ever had is yesterday's close at 271.40. Right. I mean, so they're down money right now in Microsoft today, right? I mean, that's the way, you know, from a from a modeling standpoint, who knows, you know, what it's going to do on the day and it could rip. But there probably are some institutions or some algorithms that say, hmm, wow, I'm going to start keying on 271.40 now. Forget about, well, that was right near the high too at 71.65. But I, I kind of think like keeping an eye on the closing prices and then maybe waiting for a little bit of consolidation and then maybe the breaking out of the lower end of consolidation instead of trying to like pick the top. And I know exactly. options are, yeah, options are good. And I, I think I, I mentioned this to someone yesterday about some of the weekly options. You know, if you got something that's really into money on Monday and it's trading at 257, I'm just giving an example here. On Friday, it could be trading at 258 and your option is going to be worth or, less than it was yeah, on exactly. Monday when it was mm-hmm, trading at mm-hmm. 257. Yeah. Which is why I don't love uh, weekly options. Yep. Weekly options are great if you sell them. Remember, the statistic is. More than 70% of all options in the market expire worthless. So whenever you buy them, you have to think about that. Um, Statistically speaking, and I I am very probabilistic in my trading, very statistical in my trading uh, spaces. For me, I will look at, I don't look at the closing price unless I end up, you know, gapping up and I go, okay, well, the gap fillers are going to come in at the 271. But remember that trend, that trend is saying the new highs, people are shaving some off. Now, if you've got a portfolio that says, hey, listen, I'm only going to have 12% of my uh, portfolio events sitting in Microsoft, you're going to have a selling event come around today because it's moved like uh, the wind. And so you're going to have to fade and you're going to have to take some profit to bring your portfolio balances into um, the proper percentages. And so that's something that a lot of folks don't really think about. That's why the end of the month, end of the quarter is just wretched. I'm going to try to trade as little as possible on a day like today, simply because there are going to be people that are looking at these rock solid winners that go, wow, you know, I'm up at 15% and I'm only supposed to be 12. So I got to sell this down, move it into cash, figure out where I'm going to go into the next uh, position, wait for a pullback, re-enter, blah, blah, blah. All great thoughts, Anne-Marie, all great thoughts. Anything else you want to leave us with? Anything aside from the end of the quarter today? Anything on your radar going forward? And, and um, Or, I mean, are you sort of like us in that you're, you know, it's we're coming into July here, summer doldrums, two Dog, yeah. weeks till the next earnings season, so just quietness, right? Yeah, you know, my thought is what's been beaten that needs to recover are the semis. 
And then, of course, you know, I'm into the cyberspace a lot, the cybersecurity space, and they've taken a, a pretty good dip. We'll watch them come in to their weekly 50s or maybe their uh, daily 50s and start some consolidation. Um, you know, the key, the key here is to, are you, are you steady enough with your trigger finger that you wait for the sales before you start buying? And I think that if you are building a portfolio, you, you need to wait for the sale. And if you are trading intraday, you need to keep your eyes on that 50 moving average on, you know, your five minute, your 15 minute, whatever, and just watch the motion. Just try to trade, not counter trend and do yourself a favor and don't try to pick a top right now because there's too much against us across the board. Even if we're right on the top, it's going to run our stops. And, you know, unless we see that very beautiful trend that Joel was talking about, that that double that double topping space that gives us we do have it warning warning that. uh the high yesterday 91 the yes. high today 90 warning will robinson <laughs> yeah so, and so. you know i am inclined to believe we see a fade today i really am because a lot of options are going to get covered into the motion and we really we've got a lot of thin volume profile action down at 70 70 uh, 70, 72, uh, excuse me, 42, 72, 42, 70, 42, 61, all of those spaces. But again, these are going to be sale events. So you watch and you nibble a little bit and always keep your eye on the risk. And Maria, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on Sentinel One, which IPOs today. Um, I don't know if you followed it at all, but I haven't. Cybersecurity cyber play, competitor to CrowdStrike. Um, maybe next time we'll we'll chat about it. But question, yeah. question, general question with those, yes. Anne Marie, do you jump? Um, how, like, are you one that holds off on trading the IPOs for a few days? I know I Barry, who who we're friends with, obviously, he always says I hold off for six months. How yeah. long do you hold off before you start diving into you, you know, know technicals on a on a new IPO? I want to see the patterns hold for several days because we know that in the first seven days of an IPO, if it loses traction off the opening range in the first seven days, it's going to fade. Okay. So that first seven day space is great for uh, the intraday quick snap trade that comes down into support and then moves back into resistance. But after those seven first seven days, things sort of wash out in terms of seeing if people believe things or not. And Marie Band uh, runs the tradingbook.com. The link is in the description, as is the link to uh, her Twitter. And Marie, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. We'll talk Thank to you. Soon. See you later. All right. Thanks, Anne Marie. All right, 8.53, got a couple minutes before our next guest. So let's talk. Uh, we did have another earnings report, Constellation Brands, and we'll do some ticker time in a second here. STZ reported as well. That was the other big report on my yeah. Uh It was this morning, EPS. Uh, adjusted EPS was $2.33, beat by penny sales. Uh, they were both more or less in line, if, if a smidge over the estimate. Uh, they gave some comps guidance, uh, and that was in line. And uh, they reported a accelerated buyback program of five hundred million dollars. 
Lots of good news. Overhead supply everywhere from 235 to 240. So I don't know where it's been to in the pre-market, but I would expect if I was just using the technicals that you'd have some resistance in this whole 235 to 240 area. So hard to be a buyer up here at four, knowing you're coming into that whole overhead supply area. So I'm not chasing it. Man, yeah, I I should have went first because you stole you, you stole, stole everything. <laughs> I, it, exactly, I'm telling you exactly as you were doing this, and I, won't I learned put it from my, you, man. I won't put my <laughs> hand over the screen because I want you guys to see it. Yeah, thanks. But this is exactly what I did. I looked at this high, and I said, "Hmm, that high is it uh, two thirty six sixteen? So I'm going to keep an eye on that." And then I went up to like four highs in the same area. And I said, wow, that's 238.54. So you said 235 to 240. You oh, nailed strange. it. I looked between 236 and a half and 238 and a half. So, you know, pick your poison there. It's bid right now. It's bid at that yep. area. So bid. you might get it. I, I And that would be one of those things. If I had a big position in it and I wanted to exit today, I'd be out there. You know, 100 at 35 and a half, 200 at uh, 36, you know, 500 at 36 and a half, 1,000 at 37, 10,000 at 37 and a half. <laughs> if you're holding 25,000 at 38, you know, it depends <laughs> on the size of your position. <laughs> I don't know how many people are holding 25,000 shares of STZ, but they're institutional traders. We got some big there. players in here. Oh, we do. All right, let's do a couple of tickers from the chat. Let's look at Fisker here. We haven't talked Fisker for a hot minute. It, I haven't looked at it for a hot minute. Well, it's come off the lows. It's went from 9 to 19 here. I still love the story on Fisker. I'd be a buyer of pullbacks. I sold my stock. I shouldn't have sold my stock. Oh, I don't know. I screwed this one up. <laughs> so I'll just pass. Uh, I, I don't like the candle from yesterday. So that's the concerning thing is that candle from yesterday closing near the day's lows too. Looks like it's got a little bit of work to do on the downside. This thing gets back into the 16, 17 area. I think you'll find buyers, willing buyers. But, you know, again, there's a trend there, too. So some people are going to want to hold that trend. So um, I want to rebuy my shares at some point in time. I'd love it back at 15, but I don't know if it's going to get there. Uh, is this the one that was added to the index of uh, worthless companies, the um, the Russell? <laughs> Uh, was was Fisker? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it, yeah. Yeah, it was. So I mean, it, it it you know, I got the little bounce on Friday from it, and it improved on Monday. It kind of looks like it's stalling here. Yeah. So I, I I have to agree with you. You know, leaning on yeah, it's already taken out the two lows from yesterday. So I agree with you on that one. Uh, sellers will be ahead of twenty twenty one and twenty twenty sixty one on a pop. What about uh, Squarespace? Recent uh, IPO, SQSP is your, your ticker. Did Square uh, and Space? Uh... That's the Squarespace merger, Joel? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you, we, we've all seen ads for Squarespace. I, I hope you've seen or heard ads. They advertise like, like everywhere. Um, you know, the, it's, it's like the web website uh, hosting platform. You can make your own uh, website. Ugly, ugly, ugly candle yesterday, obviously, putting all these tops rejected massively here. So now if you get back up to 60, 61, 62, you got all these people who are caught from the whole 63, 64 area looking to get their money back. It's a tough candle yesterday. So I can't be a buyer here until we at least get some type of double bottom. 
well, if you're looking at going back a couple days, you do have it at 58, 57.80. That was your low on the 16th, 58, the late low uh, yesterday. So trading up a little bit pre-market under 58 here. You got a way, uh, you got a ways to go. Uh, next daily low comes in at 57. And then we'll do uh, one more. Let's do uh, D-O-Y-U, do you. I don't. I didn't write down who asked about this. Sorry. ADR. Oh man, that's an awful trend. Oversold, <laughs> but holy cow! You know, trend absolutely not your friend. You had the blow off top back in February when thing got up to twenty dollars. Now everybody bag holder central here. Six bucks is huge, though. I will say that that's where you got back down to in April of twenty twenty. Um, so, you know, not surprising into the sixes, you do bounce out of there. So you do have some good support in the sixes. Do you want to say this is the bottom here though? I mean, a lot of people have been trying to call a bottom of the stock for the last three, four months and all of them are losing money. So tough trend. They should change the name to don't you, don't you, <laughs> don't True. you buy it. Yeah. I uh, Echo, sure. echo Dennis sentiments on this okay. one. Or ugly, maybe put ugly, a buy ugly. stop in at eight and a quarter. And if you ever get long there, then uh, you will see what happens. But uh, all right, Spencer, I'll let you wrap it up. I'm going to missed a lot of symbols in here. Nike uh, shop going to cover those on our pre-market prep. I'll be over there in a minute. And Spencer, I'll see you at three 30. All right, that's at premarketprep.com, everyone. Uh, see you, Joel. All right, guys, we got a special guest on right now. It'll be his last, I think, I assume, his last time ever on this show because he's riding off into the sunset. Chuck Self, the CIO of iSectors, is retiring, and we had to get him on one last time. Yeah. Chuck, good morning. Welcome good back. Good morning. Good uh, morning. Thank you very much for saying are, are, are we your last ever interview? You are my last media interview. So I obviously saved the best to last. And uh, I I was looking back, I I started in this business 40 years ago, this coming August, and the Dow was around 900 when uh, it started. And here it is at 34,000. And and I actually, I started in the the bond market. And so the 30-year treasury yield was about 15%. Um, so, so you've been good for the markets and now you're going to leave us. Does this mean we should sell stocks? Um, no, you shouldn't, (laughs) you shouldn't sell stocks, but you can't just, you know, you just can't throw a dart out there. That's why your show is going to be necessary for all traders, investors out there, because it's going to get harder for the next 40 years. So 40 years (laughs) from now, have me back on and then, uh, our prediction came true. And we'll see how the next 40 years goes. Anyone so, Chuck, I do have to go myself. I just stayed on for an extra three minutes because I wanted to wish you well on your retirement, you, obviously. Um, yeah. You've come on the show for years there, so we've appreciated all the content that you provide us as well. But I just wanted to wish you well there, Chuck. And we're going to let Spencer okay. take over the interview. So good okay. luck. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. <laughs> Bye-bye. Ch- Chuck, well, what's, let's just talk right, right now, markets right now. What's on your radar here? Is there a sector that, you, that you're watching? Is there a trend that, you, that you're watching? Yeah, yeah. I... Um, you know, all sorts of people are talking about should we be in growth stocks, should we be in value stocks, and and our view is that it's not growth or value. It's it's all about the companies themselves, and of course, you guys are always about the companies themselves. We think, uh, you know, that we had this big run so far. Valuations uh, are at at 
the best fairly valued and, and at the least extended. And so at this point, we got to have companies that are really going to go through with the earnings and be able to return a value to the shareholders, whether it's increasing dividends, buying back stock, uh, whatever it's, it's going to be. So we're, we're really focused on high quality, um, good balance sheet companies that uh, will be increasing their dividends uh, going forward or buying stock uh, going forward. So there's going to be good stocks in, in every sector and bad stocks in, in every sector. And, and that's the overall market trend. Now, we, we do believe we come to valuation that value stocks are still cheaper than growth stocks. And even though growth stocks have been massive this, in June, it's, um, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, I think this is the beginning of a value uh, market that's going to last uh, uh, many years. But, but there's going to be good stocks in um, all sectors. It's just finding uh, so, so what, what metrics do you use to, to determine what, what's good and what's bad? Well, again, uh, probably our number one um, vector is the, is the possibility and the history of uh, growing dividends. Uh, there are companies out there that have grown their dividends every single year for over 50 years. Uh, and as long as you can, there's visibility in those companies when, uh, when the markets, you know, we're going to eventually get a five to 10% correction. And whenever that happens, uh, those, those are the companies that are going to hold up and then be really be willing to, uh, are ready to spring forward after, uh, after that correction. So, uh, we, we're that those, that's the number one, uh, factor. We also like um, high quality. We, we like to see companies that have relatively low uh, debt um, versus their uh, equity, and and so those all those all those things together uh, are, are companies that that we're focused on. When we have certain sectors that we we think are are are, are you know sector wide have these qualities. If you'd like me to talk, yeah, about. please name a few. Okay, well, healthcare has not really been on the radar. Uh, but before I talk about healthcare, um, you know, I, I know we uh, we all have been conditioned to love technology. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm overweight in technology, and I don't want to say that technology is dead. And um, I don't know if it's the big technology stocks that are, are going to do well, but certainly technology will continue to, to do well. But I want to emphasize things other than technology. And healthcare, I think has not gotten the love that it should it should get. Uh, we it, it, it was the healthcare companies that saved us <laughs> in essence in the past year um, in, in that uh, without the development of the vaccines, we would be in a different place now than, than we are. We think that this is going to have a spillover effects in, uh, in both pharma and health healthcare supply companies in that they'll be able to shorten the timeline uh, that it takes to get approvals from the FDA in order to get new uh, things out there. Uh, uh, there's uh, Biogen, you know, obviously it came up with this Alzheimer drug and there's all sorts of controversy about it being uh, $56,000 a year, but we need drugs like that. And it's going, it's going to only get better for the healthcare companies. They're not extended valuation uh, wise. Yes, they haven't done great if you're a short-term uh, a trader, uh, but uh, we think that in the second half of the year, uh, healthcare would, would do well. So are, are you looking at like a spe- specific 
um, industry within healthcare or just like the entire sector? Are there specific companies, specific, yeah. specific ETFs? I mean, yeah, yeah, we 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 don't play the subsectors, so I'm, I I don't have expertise there. We certainly don't play the individual companies. Um, and the, the way we tend to do this is to use low cost index ETFs. Uh, the one we use is the Fidelity MSCI uh, FH. LC uh, is is the symbol, and um, as, you, as you can see, it, it's you know it, it it hasn't really kept up with the market, but um, it's 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 done uh, decently uh, in you know, this year. Uh, for people that want a, a little more octane, there's RXL, which is the Pearl Shares Ultra Healthcare, and uh, that's up about twenty five percent this year, and um, it's 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 done pretty much what it was supposed to do, which is to uh, move two times the amount of the index uh, itself. Now, uh, in the prospectus, it's supposed to do that on a daily basis, but it's it's been up a little more than two times the uh, the percentage change for uh, FHLC. So um, we 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 think that it's perfectly fine to, to play these sectors this way. If FHLC has an eight basis point management fee, um, and, and because it's an index, it's in the top third of all performing funds. So uh, we we would be very happy if investors are using that. Okay, so you're looking at healthcare. Uh, that seems to be your your favorite sector mm-hmm. going forward. Well, sorry, your favorite new sector. Yes. Favorite. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you uh, aren't so much focused on. Uh, growth versus value as you are on uh, the the quality factor, right? Which is a factor you can screen for, right? That, right. Uh, the, the right quality, you know, companies with histories of dividend raises, uh, not a lot of debt, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Chuck, I, I'm just curious if we need to zoom out for a moment here, if you can offer us some just like lessons you've learned in your career. Uh, I, you, you obviously have a longer term perspective on things. Um, and, you know, as, as you walk away from, from the industry, hoping you can impart, impart some wisdom uh, to us on, on some, some, some things you've learned. Well, uh, there's a lot of things you learn, uh, you know, because everything I'm going to tell you a, you already know, and B, you're likely to violate along the way because okay. you know it. It's always different. This time is always different, right? Uh, and and that's that is the absolute worst uh, uh, thing to ever think that it's it's different. It could be different for a while, but it's not going to be different ultimately. The market is based on human behavior. And I, I'm a graduate of the University of Chicago, and the University of Chicago had this whole thing about that people are going to act rationally, whatever. People do not act rationally comes to the markets. Uh, and so it's um, if, if you're a trader, it's great to ride the wave, but uh, it, it, it doesn't work for the long run. When it, it, when it comes to specific markets, I started in the fixed income markets. I was an institutional fixed income person for, for, for the first 20 years of my career. And one thing you can count on is that uh, bonds and currencies and, and commodities uh, uh, do have a trend following uh, aspect to them. And uh, whatever discipline you use in those markets, you should add trend following uh, to them because uh, it, uh, it it's done well. I ran a, a strategy in, uh, in 2008 
that uh, actually made money you know, because it was trend following um, in the fixed income markets. The equity markets are not trend fund following over the long term. They're mean reversion. They go back to the to the middle. My, my MBA is in statistics, so uh, you have right. to it, 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 explain that a little bit more. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, we always say the trend is your friend. So explain that. Yeah, and and it can be for a short period of time. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and so if you're a trader, that's that's very true. But for the investors out there, um, you can't look at the past because. Uh, uh, it, it, the stocks are the most efficient market out there, and uh, they will reflect information relatively uh, quickly. Now, again, um, you know, again, for short term, uh, there, might, there could be investor demand, demand and supply can can make uh, things happen. And that's why technicals uh, work. But it, it's not uh, going to work for investors. For in investors, you have to um, uh, really be uh, in tune with the fundamentals and and the fundamentals are are based on earnings and uh, and interest rates and, and and prices and so you know those are the three things that that uh, make up the uh, the markets but uh, uh, you know patience is a hard thing and it's a hard thing for all of us that uh, work uh, in this uh, day after day and week after week I've told every almost every boss I had that you'd make more money for me. If you just let me come in once a year, make whatever changes, and then let me go away for the other, you know, 364 days. Uh, no one has ever taken me up on that, but uh, that's that, that that I think that's really true. Um, if, if you're not a trader, uh, you 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 should uh, ride with things, and you shouldn't um, be having a whole lot of, of of turnover. Trust yourself. Trust your instincts. Trust your uh, analysis, and and let that be what drives you. All right. Chuck Self uh, is the CIO uh, and CEO of iSectors, at least until the end of today. Yeah, That's which, right. <laughs> you will no longer be those things. Uh, Chuck, uh, as Dennis said, uh, we, we've appreciated you coming on over the years. It's, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck in your retirement. And um, if you ever, if you, if you ever get, get the itch to talk about markets, uh, you know my email. I, 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 I do. Um, I'm probably not going to be a regular watcher of your show. That's fine. I'm going I'm, I'm to hopefully be sitting on a beach somewhere. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, I would expect nothing less. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Spencer. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. Nine uh, twelve here. We've got about uh, 10 or so minutes left. I'm going to uh, segue over to Mitch, uh, Money Mitch, at the open at, at around 930. Uh, got a couple other things to get to. We did not cover General Mills this morning. Let's share my screen. Let's get General Mills up there. GIS had earnings. Let's talk about it for a second. Earnings per share, 91 cents versus an 84 cent estimate. Let's zoom out on this chart. That's a little better. Uh, sales, 4.5 versus $4.36 billion. Uh, they see the organic net sales down 1% to 3% this year. That's year over year. That's not surprising, right? There is no way. Maybe it's bigger. There is no way that General Mills is going to be able to live up to to last year's numbers, right? Last year was like the year for stockpiling food, right? So there's no way. Uh, I know that the numbers were were strong when comparing to 2019. Uh, the numbers from this past quarter were strong when compared to two years ago, which is probably a better a better estimate. But anyway, uh, EPS beat sales beat. Uh, numbers down year over year, no real surprise because 
last year was, you know, pandemic. Perfect storm for a company like this. Stock is uh, down in the pre-market. You can see here this morning down about 1%. Uh, right now you are at the same level as you were at back on the 24th, right around the uh, – or I'm sorry, you're, you're off those lows now this morning. Uh, the low, pre-market low, 50 – what do we got there? 59.03 is your pre-market low. So as Joel says, that's the bogey, the pre-market high and the pre-market low of the session. A couple people have been talking about uh, DD, which IPOs today. I believe it, it, it was upsized, actually. They, they, they sold more sold more shares than they were expecting to. Uh, yeah, expected to price their IPO at the top of the range of thirteen to fourteen dollars, and I believe they did upsize this IPO. So uh, it'll if I if I remember uh, how Uber opened, and um, typically this thing this will probably open, you know, at the earliest I would say eleven thirty or noon, or, or maybe even later than that. Uh, so watching DD today, yep, Matt Hammond's confirming three hundred and seventeen million shares. Oh my gosh, 317 million shares on this DDIPO. That's huge. That is huge. That means they're going to, it might take this thing all damn day to open, actually. Matt's saying 130. It might not even open if it, it's got to figure out how to, how to get through that entire, that entire block. Woo! Okay. Uh, Matt Hammond also in the chat. Thank you very much, Matt. Donut Krispy Kreme moved to tomorrow. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on that one tomorrow. Uh, what else was on my radar here this morning? We covered the rating of the day, which was Space SPCE getting a double downgrade of Bank America from buy straight to sell or underperform their version of sell. What else caught our eye on the ratings front? Micron, this is interesting, guys. Micron catching an upgrade this morning from BMO uh, to outperform, raising their price target to 110 from 90. Why does this matter? Because Micron reports earnings. Tonight, after the close, Micron, we're getting a call here. I love these calls. I love when analysts come out before the numbers come out and they take a stand, right, with some conviction. So we have an upgrade this morning. Micron is up 2% into the report. Let's watch this. Let's see. Uh, maybe this kickstarts Micron for today, right? I'm just playing a hypothetical here. Kickstarts Micron. Micron has, let's say, it has a great day today. Closes up, you know, three, four, five percent, whatever. Um, and that rally could influence how the stock reacts to your earnings. So let's say it, it, it rallies today off this upgrade, and it's a good report. We've seen before when stocks run into earnings, uh, regardless of what the numbers are, good or bad or otherwise, when they run into earnings, they can sell off after the fact. Um, I'll be very interested to see what Micron does today if it runs into this report. Let's zoom out a little bit. You can see um, it, it, it hasn't really done a lot the past couple months. So really the entirety of this year, actually. So um, let's see, you know, it's, it, it's had a few, you know, a couple of good weeks here or uh, one good week. Uh, let's, let's see if it can run into the report tonight. We do it. Look like, it looks like we're at some uh, daily resistance here at what the, the $85 area, which is right pretty much where we're at now. So very interesting to watch 
Micron here. Back to the earnings calendar just to see what else we caught today. Micron upgraded. Um, Seagate STX upgraded at Barclays to neutral. Uh, okay. Taiwan Semi upgraded uh, Susquehanna to neutral. Okay. Does nothing for me. Go back to downgrades. Downgrades always more interesting anyway. Pulte Group Home Builders downgraded at Goldman Sachs to neutral. App loving APP. Oh, I thought it was APP. Morgan Stanley is going to underweight on APP. I feel like this one gets a lot of love in the chat. I I can see why, right? This thing's been ripping. Uh, I don't know what the, what kind of call this is, if it's a valuation call or what. Um, let's take a look at the analyst history on APP. This is probably almost none. It's a recent uh, very recent stock. So let's just go back here and uh, go here. Yeah, very little coverage on sort by date. Very little coverage on this one. So Morgan Stanley, oh, one of the underwriters. Now that's interesting, right? We can tell because the stock IPO'd on, on May 10th, okay? Or not May 10th, it, it IPO'd uh, in, what was it, late April, early May. The, the underwriters all come out. Uh, they have a little quiet period. They all come out and they're all bullish. Surprise, surprise. Why would they be bearish for stock that they underwrote? But here we are a month later, month and a half later, one of those underwriters is coming saying, nope, never mind. We're going from overweight, skip neutral, straight to underweight, price target 68 bucks. So very interesting downgrade. Uh, the first downgrade in Apple Ovens history. So it is down 6% this morning. That is why one of the underwriters turning bearish. You don't want to see it. Um, let's see how, how it reacts into uh, into the open today. But um, okay, yeah. And PAL had earnings, right? P-O-W-W, uh, ammo, right? Take a look at ammo here. Uh, bring up the chart. Uh, Q4 adjusted EPS, four cents. First, a estimate of a one cent loss. Sales beat by a smidge, 24 million. First, an estimate of just below that. Uh, okay. Uh, we do have some volume here overnight. Stock is trading higher. Yep. The entire move, though, already happened. We've been really quiet uh, for the entirety of the pre market session. Let's go to a bigger chart and see what so we were in really quiet this morning the move happened after the after hours last night um you know after hours high right there what's that uh 995 996 right a little bit of a double top you can see right there those two candles um is this what is this this isn't their first report is it i just want to want to go back and look at some history let's just go uh no, let's go here. Pal, that's where I should have gone. Calendar earnings now. Third report, second report. Excuse me, second report as a public company. Um, okay, so not much in history to go off of here. Go to a daily. Wow, we had a great day yesterday. All right, pretty much an all-time highs, right? Is that what that is? Yeah, all-time high. Whoa, look at that. Interesting, right? So what was the all-time high from February 16th? 9.95, right? What's the after-hours high from last night? 9.96, 9.95, right there. Okay, line in the sand. 9.95 is your resistance until proven otherwise. Uh, what else? Let me, let me catching up on chat here to see what I missed. 
Um, ba, 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 ba. Remember Luck and Coffee? Sure, I remember Luck and Coffee. Running. What about it? Are, are they still around? Are, are they like Hertz? Still lurking uh, on the pink market? I'm going to look at Luck and Coffee for a hot minute here. What else? What else? What else? Do you see support for Wish in the 1260s? I don't know. Bailey. Oh my god. <laughs> Look at the vo- just the volume in Wish. This thing was like barely traded. And for whatever reason, the market falls in lo- Wall Street Bets decides to fall in love with it. What was the level? 1260s? Not on the daily. Let's see, let's look at the weekly. Nah, not really on the weekly. Intraday. What's that right there? I don't know. It said twelve eighty. Is that what you're referring to? The low from uh, the twenty first. Go back to a daily here. Um, no, I'm not really seeing that. Alex. Uh, BBBY, we covered already. Rewind about a half hour. Space 8, we talked about that. Um, BFI, yeah, somebody mentioned that. Was that you, that Greg, that mentioned BFI earlier? BurgerFi? I saw this one. Why was this on my radar a couple days ago? Was there news or something? There may have been news. I remember this one from, like, Monday. Oh, it's, no, it was, uh, we, I think oh, we it was, uh, Shack, Shake Shack, and then oh, maybe. we talked about it. Maybe, maybe, okay. Um, oh, wow. So, I mean, a lot of consumer stock, stocks are really strong, right? And this one clearly is not playing ball. Well, let's just compare this one to Shack. Oh, that's interesting. I, I would have thought Shack would be closer to all-time highs than that. Uh, one of the other big, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we could look at like, um, what's, uh, what's Outback Steakhouse guys? Is that eat? Is that, is that Brinker? No, that's not Brinker. That's, um, I'm blanking on this. Anyway. All right. Back to BFI. Uh, okay. So what do we see here? Oh, Bloomin is Outback, B-L-M-N. All right, so that looks a lot stronger, obviously. All right, back to BurgerFi. What what do we see? What do we see? We see series of lows. Series of lows in the uh, high nine area, right? 977, 979, 977, 983. So there's your level. If you want to go long, you stop yourself out right at that support. If it breaks through it, you cut your loss and you move on. That's why I would do it. Uh, yeah, and Vegas, is that's my point, right? Chipotle. Chipotle is really strong right now. Really strong right now. Holy cow. Look at that. I talked about that yesterday. All right. Uh, it is 925. I'm going to wrap it up here. We're going to uh, segue over to Money Mitch. He's going to live trade uh, the open, walk through his setups, and I'll, I'll jump in with him and hang out. Until 11 o'clock, we've got a 
bunch of great guests today, guys, on SPAX Attack, excuse me, SPAX Attack on Power Hour, on Moon or Bust, a great, great slate of shows and guests today. So do me a solid and give the like button a good old-fashioned smash. I would greatly appreciate that. How many likes are we at today? We're at not four, 400. Is that right? I think 400. 406 now. Now we're getting there. Now we're getting there. All right. Uh, thank you to both our guests today, both Chuck Self and Anne-Marie Band. Both the uh, links to uh, their uh, their sites, their Twitter, are in the description of this video. And uh, thank you. Without you, I'd be talking to myself in the past few minutes, and that would be a lot less fun. If you missed it, I highly recommend rewind the stream about mm, 55 minutes, approximately. Uh, I will be saving this for saving that clip for posterity. We'll play it at the end of the year on the the, the end of the year blooper reel. Um, but that was an all time moment right there from Joel. Uh, that made my day, actually made my week, quite frankly. So, uh, everyone, please remember, this is Benzinga Pro, okay? Pro.benzinga.com to get a free two-week trial. Enter the promo code YouTube20. It's up on the screen there, Y-O-U-T-U-B-E 20. You get a 20% discount. If you missed it, I put the link in the chat at the very top of the show. We did a three-hour long, three-and-a-half-hour-long webinar last night on YouTube, I'll put I'll put the link back in here because uh, it was just that good. Nick Shaheen was there. Neil Hamilton was there. It was tremendous. Here's the link. Going back in chat. Check that out if you want to learn all about Benzinga Pro and how to use it. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. That's a wrap for me. Money Mitch is on now. The stream will redirect to that. You don't got to do anything. And I'll see you guys in a little bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.